All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of Mostly Ghostly. Now, today, this evening, we're going to be talking about some ancient Japanese beliefs. Some of my favorite beliefs, you know, some of the most colorful, ancient, beautiful beliefs going around the world today, the Japanese culture, you know what I mean? And today, we're going to talk about the kami, alright, which is the ancient Japanese belief of spirits among the living. It stands for God in their culture, or God-like, you know what I mean, um... When did the kami first come into your territory of knowledge, Ray? Actually, recently, just doing some research on the web, I love to look into different cultures around the world, see what they believe. And I've done a lot in the uh, Middle East and in Europe, even some in India, and I've just been kind of like going around the world, and I went over to uh, different Asian areas like Malaysia and Japan, and that's when I discovered them. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, I'm still trying to struggle with all the learnings in the good old U.S. of A. And our friend over here, Ray, is killing it in every every, every culture. Every <laughs> every uh, where a footstep, where a ghostly or human footstep could be made, Ray knows about that area. You know what I mean? But uh, the Kami and I, I give him much kudos and respect. I look up to him for this. Very proud of him for knowing all this stuff. He's He's the backbone of America, of ghostly America. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we'll, we'll pop into some kami. Nearly every faith includes some belief that our spirit continues to exist after death. Some cultures, such as the ancient Japanese, believe that death was not the end of life, but rather a passage into another form. They felt that after the soul left the body, at death, it entered into a new existence as a spirit entity or a supernatural being. The ancient Japanese referred to the spirit of someone who had passed into the realm of the, into the realm as the kami. The word kami originated from the Japanese word meaning divine, uh, and is defined as the spirit of the deceased which continue to live in the community and among family members. Just as in life, where people behave in a positive or negative manner, kami can also be perceived as good or bad. People who were loving and kind returned as kami who were helpers and protectors, while people who have behaved in a troublesome manner in life returned as annoying, difficult, or even dangerous kami. So yeah, that's it's. I'm getting the, the ghostly vibe a little bit, you know what I mean? For sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and I know that some cultures don't like to use the word ghost. So it's very possible that this is just kind of their own deal. And with cultures, it's fun because there's almost a little peeing contest, you feel, sometimes, where, because they all got their own names for the same thing, you know what I mean? Where they're like, well, no, it's called this, actually, you know what I mean? But it's really the same thing as something else. See a lot of that, you know? Uh, People who had been leaders and heroes in life became more powerful spirit entities than those who had been ordinary citizens. A few, such as kings or rulers, returned as godlike entities. Makes sense a little bit, you know what I mean? It's, um... I don't know, what's 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 your thoughts on that? Because, you know, certain cultures think that, 
there is there would be no hierarchy. You know, there'd be a spiritual hierarchy, but like you being a king in in your life form would have nothing to do with what you are when you're dead. You know what I mean? In the spirit realm, um, in certain cultures, of course, you know, is you think that's just because they put more maybe. Um, they hold more, uh, uh, it holds more importance in their life to be powerful that they think that, of course, there must be, there must be even better in the afterlife. Well, I think it's roughly the equivalent to, uh, what we have in some cultures they call ascended masters. Mm-hmm. We did an episode on that. Usually, usually they are, um, spiritual people who achieved enlightenment. In another culture, they just may see it differently as someone who was powerful and did well in this world, and they're carrying on that uh, that task in the spirit world. Yeah. Now, though the word kami is translated multiple ways into English, no English word expresses its full meaning. The ambiguity of the meaning of kami is necessary, as it conveys the ambiguous nature of kami themselves. Gender is also not implied in the word kami, and as such, it can be used to refer to either male or female. So this takes, this is just, there's no room for gender, it's straight up spirit, baby. You know what I mean? It got nothing else to do. There is no weekends where it has weekends off and goes and has fun. It does what it does 24-7, seven days a week, baby. No no questions asked. Tommy's well, that's, still, yeah. Uh, I, w- I was going to think that uh, falls into the concept that once we move into the spirit world and we're on a higher level, what we have as far as our relationship with our bodies in the physical world, we realize that that's insignificant. And uh, since we're not no longer trying to appropriate on this planet and we're at a higher level we give up the physical and that's going to include a sexual identity not only sex for sure yeah i mean i've always uh, you know once you go spiritual you don't come back you know what i mean um that it, there is no no sexual organs or anything like that uh it's just kind of like your existence takes on a whole new meaning, so to speak, where that's no longer involved, which is really quite a, a twist because it's so important when you're on Earth. You know what I mean? Um, it's weird. And then you go there and it's not that thing. I, I've always, and the, the marriage thing kind of always, I wrap, wrap my head around that weird thing where, like, it's the, you get married and it's only till you die type deal. You know what I mean? You feel like it'd be one of those things, you know what I mean? Like, it'd, it'd go on. But it's just kind of, a, once you're dead, you're dead. You've Everything from this world is, free, is freed, and it, it stays here, and you're going to a different, a different realm, my friend. Right, right? Well, I think also um, the idea of till death do us part is a later addition. Very many early cultures around the world uh, really believe that when the, uh, the soul comes down or the spirit is incarnated quite often it splits mm. and what happens is part of it goes into a male part of it goes into a female and they are meant to rejoin again mm. fi- on their spiritual journey and become one again that's where part of the name the idea of a soulmate came from um if you take a look at i think it was ancient rome where they depicted a heart which actually looked a lot like the half of what a picture of a heart is that we have now. Mm. And they also ha- had the belief that when the two come together and they're complete, then they can grow s- to fulfillment spiritually because they're reunited 
and move into the spirit world and move up uh, in their spiritual evolution. So the, you know, it's no uh, sexual identity has to do strictly with the physical. It's very uh, base, if you want to call it. Uh, it's very physical orientated and on a higher, on a higher spiritual realm. It really doesn't matter. There is no such thing as sex uh, or se sexual identity. You simply are that spirit and you are that entity. Yeah, I mean, this leans more into like the, how I feel about things, like we've talked about, where it's just you go into that ball of energy type deal. I've always found, you know, people thinking that they would have bodies in the afterlife very weird. You know what I mean? I thought that was a weird element that people would get behind. You know, not to go too crazy anti Bible. But I, the Bible, when they talk about, well, actually, I can't say it's probably not even the Bible. It's just like you said, with this was more modernized, you know, when pastors or whatever would talk about the streets of gold and the mansions and stuff like that. Is that actually in the Bible or is that uh, just something they say? Uh, in the Bible, quite often you have the references that, you know, in, uh, in the divines, in God's palace, you know, and they, they relate to, they relate in a way in what they know, like a palace is roughly the equivalent to a king's residence. Mm. And when people are trying to understand the unknown, they try and relate it or relate to people in terms that are known. And when much of this was written uh, in a lot of the old texts, the most impressive thing you had was a king in his palace. And everything was gold and everything was beautiful. And so that's how they describe the divine as living in a place like that. Because it would be uh, scary to say, oh, yeah, but there's nothing there. Uh, what do you mean? Well, you're going to be completely different. And these people are going to go, what? And so it's kind of like, uh, yeah, I'll know it's a great palace. I mean, if you take uh, uh, Muslims and, you know, there are gardens and a palace and this and that and it's kind of the reward for being good, and it's put in earthly terms. Mm -hmm. Whereas the spirit world later on, um, even in some old cultures, but for the most part later on it became, uh, people started to think, wait a minute, that's all our human physical way of looking at things. That is a earthly reward for a spiritual, in a spiritual realm, and it really doesn't fit that well. It's, yeah, the most interesting stuff in the world the stuff that we talk about on the show, ladies and gentlemen. And that's why you're here with us. Now, the gender thing, uh, I'm, I'm definitely agreeing with you completely on that. I think that's all good. Now, communicating with the commie. Communicating with these things, you know what I mean? That's where we step off till next, Ray. While both good and bad fortune was believed to uh, be the work of the kami, they typically only made their presence known in the form of actions and deeds. Kamis were not seen or heard, except to those they had uh, the special ability to communicate with them, which would be kind of enlightened ones or, you know, shaman-type folks, right, in our culture? Uh, shamans, uh, a priest or priestess, if you're looking at Wiccan, um, or possibly, well, the modern term medium. Mm. Those, those are the categories you're looking at. I know a medium personally. You know what I mean? A couple of them. I talked to one right now. The <laughs> um, in the ancient Japanese culture, mediums were used to request assistance from a good kami, 
or asked to intervene to stop a harmful behavior or a benevolent kami. A medium will also communicate with a kami to help bring good health uh, to one who was ailing or to eliminate any illness or misfortune which was plaguing a family or a village. Uh, the belief in kami became a basis for the Shinto, a native religion of Japan. According to Shinto, kami were sacred spirits which existed as gods and goddesses, family members and natural beings such as trees or animals. Uh, followers of Shinto welcomed visits by kami. I, I like that, you know. Trees and animals, going a little bit back to the episode before that we just had. Um, there's probably some mashup within this culture of some trees and animals that we could dip in new th- talking about some kami. That's how uh, crossed over they are. To encourage a kami to interact with the living, each family's home had a shrine dedicated to their ancestors. Throughout Japan's countryside, there were, and there still may be, shrines built to recognize important kamis, such as gods and deities. People regularly gathered at these shrines to meditate and connect with the spirits of departed loved ones. Right now, they said they're not so much, they don't really have uh, the, a lot of these over there anymore. You know, we the American version is the church, you know what I mean? Some elements of Shinto, specifically the belief that our spirit continues to exist, exist even after death, spread to other cultures and religions throughout the world and eventually helped form the belief system we now refer to as spiritualism. They say Shinto, like spiritualism as it is, Shinto is to be credited for. Uh, Yeah, because Shinto was around long before modern-day spiritualism, which became popular in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And Shinto existed a long while before that. Shinto is where we're going to have to change the name of the show to Shinto, the Shinto show. Well, you also have a lot of cultures where they um, they honor ancestors. That's uh, common in a lot of Aboriginal cultures or older cultures, yeah. and they believe, they believe they are still with them, and they're still around them, and they can communicate with them. In a situation like that, they quite often homes and uh, villages would have little shrines to them. Yeah, it, it did spread, and it's not that uncommon in a lot of isolated, uh, older uh, cultures around the world. Let's real quickly. You want to pop into Shinto a little bit? It is very interesting. Um, I don't know that much about it. I think it's sad that we've gotten away from that. Yeah. Um, recognizing that uh, both our ancestors and. Uh, and others in the spirit realm are around us and will help us um, actually help us heal. It's interesting that if you take Reiki, which originated in Japan, yeah. uses a system to call in the healing power of the universe. And yeah. Shinto calls on the ancestors in the spirit world to use that power to help heal somebody here. So it's it's very similar in that, that respect. Yeah, I got all, we got Shinto... Uh, is a religion which origin- originated in Japan, classified as an East Asian religion by scholars of religion. Its practitioners often regarded as Japan's indigenous religion. And as a nature religion, scholars sometimes call practitioners Shintoist, although the adherents rarely use the term themselves. There is no central authority in control of Shinto, and much diversity exists among the practitioners. 
uh, it's a polysthetic and revolves around the gods or spirits, kami, uh, supernatural entities believed to inhabit all things. The link between the kami and the natural world has led to Shinto being considered anim- uh, animistic, which is the belief that objects, places, and creatures all possess a distinct spiritual essence, and pantheistic, which is the belief that the reality is identical with divinity, or that all things compose an all-encompassing eminent god. Which I kind of, that's what I vibe with. I feel like everybody answers to the same thing. You know what I mean? To go back, of, yeah. Now, a lot of that uh, is very similar. You take Native American, the spirits, uh, the spirit and everything is living, um, has its own spirit, uh, Wiccan. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of cultures around the world very similar that recognize it. That's why they call it Earth-based. And all they're doing is seeing the spirit and the energy of the creator in everything. And I believe personally that if you do have a divinity or divine source of the entire universe, then the essence or part of that source must live in all things created by it. Yeah. So that spark of divinity is in us also. And it's just reconnecting with that while in this world to be able to move on to a higher realm. Uh, One which, again, using, let's say... the, where the Ascended Masters are, for instance, those who are already enlightened and moved on. Uh, but yeah, I believe that connection of the divine being in everything is very important to recognize that, that uh, we all come from a divine source so that everything, not just humans, have their own spirit, their own soul, so to speak, because they came from the spirit they can't, the tree came from the same source, the rock did, the river did, everything came from the same place. Why would only humans be special? We're not. We interact with all of everything around us, all in nature, because it holds the essence of the, the divine in itself. Also, the Kamiya worshipped at Kamadana household shrines, which the miniature household altars provided to enshrine the Shinto. Um, the family shrines and Hinjak public shrines, which are cool. Very, the Japanese always look beautiful. They have a beautiful look. I love how, you know, the way their buildings are and stuff. It always looks great. And their flowers are always devastating, too, I'll add. I'll give them that extra little pep up. The latter are staffed by priests known as Kanushi, uh, who oversee offerings of food and drink to the specific kami enshrined at that location. This is done to cultivate harmony between humans and kami and to solicit the latter's blessing. Other common rituals include the kagura dances, which is a specific type of Shinto ritual ceremonial dance. Uh, In the rites of passage, of course, and seasonal festivals. Public shrines also supply religious paraphernalia such as amulets uh, to the religion's adherents. Shinto does not emphasize specific moral codes, although it places a major conceptual focus on ensuing purity, largely by cleaning practices such as ritual washings and bathing. Shinto has no single creator or specific doctrinal text, but exists in a diverse range of local and regional forms. Um, When it talks about largely cleaning practices, such as ritual washing and bathing, we're talking about we're talking about like washing of the soul, or is this getting into actual legitimate bathing? Uh, okay, uh, it's a combination of both. Okay. 
In other words, when the ritual cleansing is symbolic and helps cleanse the soul as well as the body, uh, there's a current, um, yeah, there is a current practice where it is recommended that when you take a shower, mm. you recite a, mon- a mantra and visualize all of the negative energy and all of the negative attachments flowing off you as the water cleanses you. And so that you're cleansing your inside as well as your outside. Now, that's a very modern, simplified ritual. And the ritual is probably a little bit more complex back then. Even if you go back into uh, oh, the ancient Judaism where you would, uh, the priest would have to go through a cleansing which would involve prayers, a variety of things, but it would also involve the physical cleansing because mm-hmm. you're, you're basically merging the physical and the spiritual. Since you're in a physical realm, you physically cleanse yourself while you cleanse your spirit so that you're completely pure before you go into a temple. And I mean, a good shower, you take a nice hot shower, that will like rejuvenate you. I was thinking about that today when I was in the shower. I got in there and I said, taking this hot shower is making me feel better. Woo, it's getting me going. I'm digging it. It was it was downright spiritual, right? You could almost say. Well, throw some prayers or some mantras in there, and uh, basically you're cleansing the inside as well as the outside, letting all of it flow out of you. Do you uh, do you ever listen to hymns and chants and stuff when you do showers? Not to get too graphic for the people out there. Uh, hymns and chants, no. Um, I do have some mantras and I do have some prayers that I do say at times. When I'm in the shower, if I'm feeling like particularly down or stressed, yeah, and I know that there's something wrong, then the shower combined with that helps. Yeah, I feel like you know a lot of it, you know it's the first thing people do in the morning. A lot of times, it's like their morning ritual with it itself. You know what I mean? It's an interesting thing. Well, it's also interesting that people will take, for instance, like before every episode. Yeah. Um, I'm out back here, and before every episode, I cleanse. Now, I had already taken the shower, but I cleanse, and I do it by smudging, another form of cleansing, to drive away anything negative and evil. So there's multiple levels to the cleansing, and bathing happens to be one of them. When we do our big, mostly ghostly events, I'm going to bring in a, a baptizing pool, but a big one. Like the kind you buy at Walmart. <laughs> and uh, we'll have everybody come together and we'll get it heated. It'll be very nice. And we'll, uh, but you don't want to cook too much. You don't want to cook the bat out too much. Next thing you know, you're a lobster. You know what I mean? But uh, let's get back to some history here. Although some historians debate that what point uh, it is suitable to refer to Shinto as a distinct religion. Kami veneration has been traced back to Japan's Yayo period, uh, 300 B.C. to the 300 A.D. Um, Buddhism entered Japan at the end of the Kofun period, which was about 300 to roughly about, you know, like 538 A.D., roughly around there, and it spread rapidly. Uh, Religious synchronization uh, made kami worship and Buddhism functionally inseparable. The process called the Shinbustu Shagu, uh, the kami came to be viewed as part of Buddhist cosmology. Um, and, you know, they were increasingly depicted anthropomorphically. 
The earliest written tradition regarding Kami worship was recorded in the 18th century, the 8th century, my goodness, uh, almost gave him 10 centuries. The 8th century, Kajuki and Nahono Shoki um, is ensuing centuries. In ensuing centuries, Shinbutsu Shagu was adopted by Japan's imperial household during the Meiji era from 1868 to 1912 AD, that was a good year, uh, Japan's nationalist leadership was expelled. Buddhist influence from Kami worship informed state Shinto, okay, an imperial Japan's ideological use of the Japanese folk traditions of Shinto, which many historians regard as the origin of Shinto, as distinct religion, you know what I mean? Shrines came under growing government influence, which is always troublesome, and citizens were encouraged to worship the emperor as kami. Ah, scariness. Now we're getting into some modern age scariness. Uh, With the formation of the Japanese Empire in the early 20th century, Shinto was exported to the other areas of East Asia. Following Japan's defeat in World War II, Shinto was formally separated from the state. And I was thinking to myself, I go, I wonder when Shinto got corrupted, or what went went in kind of a bad direction. I don't know if I'd say they got corrupted, but when it kind of became, uh, when their leader needed to be called Kami, I think that's when, that's usually an issue. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful. What do you think about that, Ray? Well, it shows up in other cultures where um, kings are venerated as gods, um, when they died, they became these great gods themselves on the other side. And that was politics, whether it's uh, elected or kingly by force, merging and taking the power from the belief and trying to use that over people. Yeah. And that's, that's when you have a problem. Now, whenever an emperor needs to be worshipped as a kami, you know you're in trouble. No, that's all I know about that situation. That's all you really need to know. Uh, Shinto is primarily found in Japan where there are around 100,000 public shrines. It's a lot. Although practitioners, but I mean, there's equally probably, there's probably a lot more churches in the United States, you know what I mean, to be fair. Uh, But take take a look at the size of Japan to the size of the United States. Yeah, that's a good point. Although practitioners are also found abroad, numerically, it is Japan's largest religion, the second being Buddhism. Most of the country's population takes part in both Shinto and Buddhist activities, especially festivals reflecting a common view in Japanese culture that the beliefs and practices of different religions need not be exclusive. Aspects of Shinto have also been incorporated into various Japanese new religious movements. You uh, you equate Shinto and the Buddhist to kind of like a Christianity and a Catholic? Uh, I see them really as, I mean, they have some similarities, but I see them really as different. Yeah. Uh, very different, th- very different things. Um, I'd have to do research to see how did they how they actually all linked up in detail. I'd have to see why there is the link, and I think it's probably very. Uh, very much limited to Japan because yeah. uh, Buddhism came, came out of India and uh, has a different basis than uh, Japan does. Uh, I can't. Yeah, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have to investigate and see what's behind the two of them that could possibly link. 
because I know there were also different types of Buddhism. So it's, sure. it's, uh, okay, now, now I got something else to delve into. There's a Kami system for the classroom. They said it really took over during COVID times and stuff. It's like an online schooling thing. And I, it's always interesting when they use the, the names they choose, you know what I mean? They, they reuse all these old, these names from these old cultures and stuff. I kind of enjoy it, I'm not going to lie, but uh, I don't know. Is there darker themes and, and things like that? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see how that, uh, I don't see why they, they would start using name, that name now and making it go online. Well, it's, a, it's a sign of worship. I think they almost, they, they, they would name it that so it would be, you know, same way we would go, we would name something gold standard or something like that, you know what I mean? But like, yeah. taking advantage of a little bit of culture. You know, the way the Mothman statue does a little bit, you know, um, throwback. But I th- I, I, in my travels, I've I seen that. I thought that was interesting. You know, ceremonies and festivals I want to tap into real quick. We got that speaking of Mothman, you know. Uh, one of the first recorded rituals we know know of is the Nunamase, a ceremony in which the emperor offers newly harvested rice to the kami to secure their blessing for a bountiful harvest. A yearly festival named Nimasa is also performed when the new emperor comes to power. Uh, so the emperor is very tied up in the, the, the Kusami, the Kami thing. Kami? You know what I mean? Very tied up in it. Very tied up. They, they definitely, they want their, 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 uh, they want their people definitely not to see the line between the Kami and their emperor. They want them to think that they are bestest of friends and do all types of things together and share the same beliefs and power, you know. Well, to me, it, it's a little bit of um, if if you take in established religions uh, that have become institutionalized, and you have the priest, and that's the person who stands between you and the divine. Yeah. And in your original. Uh, Aboriginal or old religions that were a lot of them uh, earth-based or a lot of them uh, spiritual. There were very, very few things that stood between you and the divine. You might have, for something complex, a shaman, or you might have someone named the priest that might help you. But a lot of them, you interacted directly with the spirit world in your ceremonies and your prayers. It was just later on when things became institutionalized that, okay, um, it's easier to control the people if we're the only ones that have access. Right. And so it ending up in the emperor's hands or ending up in the pope's hands or anybody else's hands, that's simply trying to keep the common person a certain distance away from the divine. Now, myself, I'm more Gnostic. Mm -hmm. I believe in a direct knowing of the divine. Yeah. Because we have that divine in in ourselves. I'm not saying that you eliminate all intermediaries. I mean, some of my best teachers, uh, two of them, uh, one is still around, and the other one passed into spirit. I've been medicine men, and I've had other people, religious people, that have been great teachers. But I believe that you should step forward yourself and come to know uh, the divine and the spirit world yourself. You're capable of doing that. And that is the way it should be, since that divine spark lives within inside of you. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, much like uh, like 
the, the, the you know the, the Greeks, the the, the other god, the Greek gods and stuff. There are many different varieties of kami. There are over three hundred different classifications of kami listed in uh, Kojoki. All right, that have all different functions, such as the kami of wind, kami of entryways, and kami of roads. Now, the Kojiki. Are you familiar with the Kojiki? You know, it's it's an early Japanese chronicle of myths, legends, songs, and the genealogies, oral traditions. Uh, I'd love to be able to get that, like, modernized and read that. Have you ever read anything from that? No, I'm not familiar with that. That sounds like a lot of fun, like a good read, man, right there. I'm getting back into reading. I think that, I think the next major area I'm going to start concentrating on is going to be over in the Asian countries like Japan and that area, because it's starting to sound much more interesting. Mostly ghostly is very big in Japan. Very big. Taken over. We love the Japanese. They love us back. You know, lastly, all kami have uh, have d- different guardships. Guardianships are duty to the people around them, just as people have an obligation to keep the kami happy. The kami have to perform a specific function to the object, place, or idea that they inhabit. It's almost like they're kind of locked into it, though. Don't that kind of? It almost feels a little bit. Uh, so for lack of a better word to say cursed, you know what I mean? It sounds a little foul to say, but like being, so they can't really leave it. They got to kind of, <coughs> it has like a leprechaun vibe to it a little bit. Not to be insulting, uh, which of course I am being insulting and I apologize. Yeah. This sounds when, you know, whenever it, it, it has to, it's kind of forced to do anything. I, I, I never, whenever I think of uh, God, you know what I mean? And for the, if you want to believe there's multiple gods, then if you were to take them, do you think they really need to be forced? I don't really think they'd be forced to do anything. What's your take, Ray? Well, I don't know if force is kind of the right word. I think that if you look at a, a true believer, yeah. and that, that can be in the Shinto or someone who believes in a kami, they don't necessarily necessarily see it as being forced to do anything it's respect you're interacting with ancestors you're interacting with those in the spirit world and it's a more of a friendship than respect thing where you pay them respect and they feel good and they help you and it's it's a back and forth it's it's uh give and take um i think the forced idea is something that uh really is more of um after it came way at, way afterwards um, as far as, yes, you must go to temple, or yes, you must go to this site, you must give sacrifices, you must. I can see back in that time later, people willfully did it because they interacted with these good spirits. They knew they were there. They might be their ancestors. Um, and it was something that they gladly did, and the spirits there would kind of help them along their spiritual path, help them maybe stay well, help them make another spiritual leap, so to speak, or a bit of enlightenment. Give them an epiphany where they went, oh, well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think it was more of a, a gladly, a willing give and take more than what you have nowadays. It's like, you know, um, you've got to do this. You've got to do this or you're going to hell. I don't think they, they had that whole attitude. It just did not exist. You've lived in a spiritual world. You've interacted with the spirits in the next world. And it was just natural. And I, I, that whole force thing, I think, is something that developed later on as a control mechanism. Yeah. Social and political strife have played a key role in the development of new sorts of kami. 
specifically the Goryoshin spirit, uh, the sacred spirit kami. Goryo are the vengeful spirits of the dead whose lives were cut short, but they were calmed by the devotion of Shinto followers and are now believed to punish those who do not honor the kami. I think that's kind of cool. I support that. I think that's... Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. That's 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 kind of on the cool side there. That's like the paranormal hitmen, dude. They send out their Knights Templar type shit, bust you up, breaking head. Well, kid. well you know, it's it's kind of it, to me. To me, it's kind of like you know, someone passes into the spirit world and they're traumatized, and all, all of this goes on. And the people in this world nowadays, you would say, pray for them. And so that that spirit there finds some peace. And then some jerk comes along that starts disrespecting. So what they do is they turn around and go, whoa, that used to be me. So they give him some crap to try and wake him up. The pantheon of kami, like the kami themselves, is forever changing in definition and scope. As the needs of people have shifted, so too have the domain and roles of the various kami. Some examples... Of this are related to health, such as kami of smallpox, okay? Uh, which, my friend, by that I don't know what smallpox is, it's a horrifying disease. Infectious, you know, caused by one or two virus variants. Horrifying. Uh, you look like, it makes you kind of look like, you ever see those when they take the, 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 the copper and they bang it out from the, ins- from the inside to give it the dents? To have yeah. like that look, at, that's kind of what it does to your skin, which is horrifying whose role was exp- expanded to include all contagious diseases or the kami of boils and growths who uh, also come to preside over cancers and cancer treatments. You know, it's, uh, it's one of those dang things where it's like the bringer of bad news, so to speak. With the good and the bad, there's always those, you know what I mean? There's, you know, you piss it off, you got to deal with trouble, you, 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 you're nice to it. You got you find twenty dollar bill while you're walking down the street. You know what I mean. In ancient animistic religions, kami were understood as simply the divine forces of nature. You know what I mean. Worshippers in the ancient Japan referred creations of nature, which uh, expedited a particular beauty and power, such as waterfalls, mountains, boulders, animals, trees, grasses, and even rice paddies. They strongly believed the spirits or residents uh, kami deserved respect. Sure. I'm definitely with the respect. I'm all for respect for it, you know what I mean? Um, we have some fa- famous, same, fam- no, notable, we'll say, notable kami. We won't say famous, because I don't know any of them, but they're noteworthy, you know what I mean? Uh, first up, we have the Ematarusu Omekami, which is the sun goddess, you know what I mean? You know anything about the sun goddess? Uh, no, but many many ancient cultures had a sun goddess. Oh, for sure, for sure. The sun might the, sh- the sun might be the most important thing ever if you think about it. Uh, Ibisu, one of the seven gods of fortune. The Fujin, stop me if you know of any of these. You know what I mean? Stop me if you heard this one. The Fujin, the god of wind. The Hashiman, uh, so in the god of war, we'll give it the Hachi man, we get the hatchet man, Buddy Butterfuko's at the gathering of the Juggalos as we speak, shout out Buddy Butterfuko, uh, but the Hachi man, the god of well, war. We, 
if you go to ancient uh, Rome, that would have been Mars. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go to um, if you go to Ohio, you can see the gathering of the Juggalos um, with Buddy Butterfugo. But not Inari Okami. He won't be there. You know why? Because he's the god of rice and agriculture, and he's got better things to do. I don't know. There's a lot of farmland out there. That's true. That's true. That is true. It's plowed down. Uh, Aizanagi no Mikoto, the first man. Interesting. So that's kind of, so that's their Adam. Their Adam is this Aizanagi. And then there's Ananami, which is the first woman, which is would be is equivalent to our, our Eve, you know, our Adam and Eve situation. Like I said, I think a lot of it's the same stuff that people just put different names on it. Karu Maru Sukakimi, the primary Kami Trinity. I could never go to Japan because I'm murdering these names so hard that I that probably wouldn't come back. They probably wouldn't allow me back. They'd want to keep me for themselves. You know what I mean? In, in a terrible way, though, not a good way. Omakane, the deity of wisdom. Rajin, the god of lightning, thunder, and storms. I appreciate that. He looks, they, they got a picture of him, he looks wild. He looks like, uh, he looks like uh, bad news from, like, uh, the, the Heatmeister. Heatmeister from the Christmas animations. Oh, if, you, if you're talking about if you're talking about lightning, then you and and such, then you're talking in ancient Greece. You're talking Zeus, yeah, and in Rome, you're talking Jupiter. Yep. No, I'm with you. Like I said, I think this is all. It's all. You know, Ryajun is the Japanese dragon god of the sea and storms. Whenever I hear dragon of the sea, I get horrified at the thought of what that could be, because we all know what that is. It's a big, gigantic sea serpent. And I tell you, when it comes to living creatures you've got to deal with throughout the t- throughout time, being in a boat and dealing with one of those gigantic sea creatures has got to be one of the most horrifying thoughts. You know what I mean? Like, if, if I had to put together a list of ways I didn't want to die, number one, tidal wave. And I'll be honest with you, the only reason why that sea creature isn't on my list is because I don't have to deal with sea creatures. You know what I mean? If they, we lived in a world where a sea, dealing with the sea creature in the middle of the ocean on a boat was a reality, a reality of you having to deal with some natural disaster tidal wave or some man-made tidal wave, then, oh, that'd definitely be on the list. But you see, you know, in all these pictures, you see these horrifyingly gigantic beasts towering over boats and stuff like that. You add that to the cold, dark water that you're going to have to go into with it after, I, that's probably one of the most horrifying things I can imagine. I think I'd rather stand in fire until I burnt out than deal with that. What do you think, Ray? Well, if you're talking about uh, the god of the sea, the ancient Greeks had Neptune. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you go into the Old Testament, the giant creature unleashed from the sea yeah. to attack man was the behemoth. Yeah. So, so there are, I think that a lot of this probably developed over time, um, whether it's borrowed from other cultures or people trying to nail down a specific phenomenon or a specific part to make something like, uh, we need, we need the sun for growth. So let's have a prayer just for the sun. 
And uh, I think a lot of it developed that way. Any early civilization, I look at it like this. You're so amazed at what's going on around you that you're going to look up at the sun and go, wow, the sun gives us 12 hours of sunshine so we can do what we need to do. And then it goes away and we get it gets dark. And I think in situations like that, they, they, give, they give names and they give... You know, I think a lot of it's just freak accident. Like, nature is a lot of freak accident stuff, you know what I mean? I think they just, it's their way of trying to, like, put a, put a, put a reason to it, you know what I mean? Like, well, you know, some people say that it makes people feel like they're more important than they are by thinking that there's this big thing, you know? But I do think there's a big thing. But I mean, that's just what other people think. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but with that sense of it, yeah, I think that, I think a lot of it's kind of, the same stories, and I think these things come a little bit from the sun. Like the sun, in early civilization, it knows how important the sun is. Your 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 crops come from it. It gives you daylight. Um, you know what I mean? Keeps you warm. Uh, it's got a whole bunch of things. So I think after time, I think they would eventually start to go. Like I honestly think the first civilization that was ever here, ever period. Yeah, I almost feel like. It's quite possible. I don't know where the where, when when God came into people's heads in the existence of mankind, but it's possible that the idea first came up by looking at things like the sun. You know what I mean, and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that he wasn't there, but I'm saying as far as humanity understanding a godlike thing, I think it's quite possible that things like the sun would have been the first place that they would have directed that question. You know what I mean? Well, if you look. If you look at the sun, um, and let's say you're in agricultural culture, when it's warm and there's a lot of sun, things grow. Things turn green. You have food. It's beautiful. When there's not much sun in winter and it gets cold, things die. Yeah. So if you're going to worship something, it's going to be that sun that brings everything to life in spring and gives you your crops in summer, uh, gives you the warmth. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're gonna you're gonna make a tie in that way. I know that many Native American cultures and the older ones, you have uh, people think of Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. There's also Father Sky, Grandfather Sun, and Grandmother Moon. Right. But the whole portrayal there is like a family. Yeah. Your mother, your father, your grandfather, your grandmother. So it's it's very very interconnected, and we're all part of that family. I think that even the uh, the Shinto and others uh, originally started off kind of simple and seeing us all connected as one big family, all children, all forms of life, whether it be mm-hmm. plant, animal, or human, all children of that greater God. Yes. Well, it's an energy thing, you know. It's kind of like almost um, auras. Like, I wonder if it's an aura thing where, like, you know, they're in... They're in a storm and they get a real, they get that funky feel. You know, people just get feels, you know, like you can be in a party and people be like, that was a really happening party. There was a good energy in there. You know what I mean? It's almost like that energy is there and they might put, they might put a face to it, so to speak. You, and, and that's where we get some of these descriptions and such. It's easier to deal with when you can identify it. And yeah. humans have to be able to identify and pigeonhole things. They can't accept something probably because of the ego, but they can't accept something just being there that's greater than them. Mm. They always have to be on the top and define it, because if they define it, they can control it. Yeah. We got Sarah Tahiko Okami, which is the Kami of Earth. 
Mother Nature. You know what I mean? Uh, we have Susanu no Mikoto, the god of the sea and storms, which I don't know why. Uh, there's also, like we said, the Ryujin is the god of the sea and storms. And then there's another one, which is also the, supposedly the god of sea and storms, which is interesting. Um, well, actually, the Japanese dragon god. So this, yeah, this was a dragon. That was the horrifying one. Woo! Yeah, dragon, yeah, sea creatures. Woo! No, thank you. Um, but the sea and the storm. So I almost feel like Susano no Mikoto could almost uh, protect you from Rajin, ra- 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 uh, ra- but I don't want to speculate too heavy on that. Um, we also have Tejin, the poetry god. Uh, that, that was the god that didn't want to do real work, so he wanted to become a poet. <laughs> just joking, just joking, Tenjin, if you listen into the show. I know Tenjin's a big fan of Mostly Ghostly. Um, now, the poetry is very, you know, poetry is deep thinking, you know, it's spiritualism. You know, it's the flow of, you know, being able to put together a sentence of words that make people feel something. There's That's magic almost, you know what I mean? There's a lot to be said for poetry. Um, it's interesting where it would be ma- magical. What's your take on that aspect of poetry? Because that's kind of where poetry would have its power, if you will. You know what I mean? Where if you could lace somebody up with a nice haku, you know what I mean? A nice little, uh, nice poem or uh, some, some nice deep poetry, uh, you know, and make them, make them feel sad or happy or mad or whatever you're going for. They'd almost consider that, you know, in a certain circle, they'd call that witchcraft and get you burnt at the stake. But, what do you think? What's your take on that poetry and the crossover of those things? Well, I think the poetry has to do with the power of words. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do have chants, we have incantation, like a spell. Uh, like a spell. Magic, uh, yeah. It's like magic. Yeah, it, that's it. Po- poetry is magic, and it can mesmerize. And the words themselves have a power. And those words, like with a, with a spell, the intention and the words together create the spell and the effect of it. And yeah. the poetry does the same thing. It, uh, properly read, a good poem evokes a feeling. Uh, and that is, is, is the spell that it puts out there. It evokes that emotion. So, yeah, I think that uh, the poetry, words, communication, feelings, it all ties together in that the power of words, the spell cast by words. Poetry works because a lot of people... A lot of people, it touches a lot of people, you know. So, like, what, 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 you think there's some, what's the connection with that, you think? You think that it's just so powerful, these words spoken before they are released? Do you think that, uh, everything happens after? I almost feel like the, you know, the power of what it is could be there present before, before it even goes out there. I, I agree because you take the person writing the poetry, um, they're putting a lot of emotion into it. Yeah. And that emotion is contained, and that power is contained in those words. When you speak that poem, you release that power. You release that emotion, and it affects somebody. Kami was an interesting one. You know, it's kind of like the, the, the first ever kind of Shinto. The Shinto was, the, I felt Shinto to be a little more interesting because it was such an ancient, like, they speculated to be one of the first ever teachings, you know, of, of ancient times. 
which is nice because, I mean, I'd love to go back. I'd love to be as uh, well-versed in all these ancient books like my friend Ray over there. And we'll work towards it, baby steps. Um, but, yeah, it'd be very interesting to get some, like, adapted books, you know, of, of these ancient times, but, like, read not revised so we can, we can understand what's going on, you know what I mean? Uh, hopefully they don't do too many changing. That's a problem you run into a lot too, though, when they're revising these books and stuff, translating them over. Um, you get that issue, you know what I mean? But uh, I do. I, those early, those very, the very beginning stuff is you know. I think you might, the, the further back you get, the closer you might get to realities and stuff like that. And but again, they're all. It's all the same story, just different names. I feel. You know what I mean? Um, me and Ray both feel like after, after death, there's, it ain't all black, you know, there's something else to it. Feel like, you know, your, your bodies are left behind, the old clothing, you know, we've talked about that before, but the, the essence that makes you different than the person next to you, personality, all that stuff. I think that that is kind of the spirit, you know what I mean? And I think when, when you die, you leave and you go back up into the energy. I think it's the, you got no legs, you know what I mean? Lieutenant Dan style, you know what I mean? You float up there, you're an energy source. You're not a full functioning, you know, you're not a human form. Uh, and that's that, you know, and I do kind of think hell's a real place. I think it's more of a subconscious thing. You know, I think, uh, if you were kind of just like the positive energy, there's the negative energy as well. And if you, you live the negative life. I feel like you kind of go into that negative energy and it's torment. It's kind of what they claim to be hell to be. Um, the fire and uh, fire and brimstone. Who's to say, you know what I mean? Uh, your mind could make you feel like you're in fire and brimstone. Um, but I think hell is more of that where if you were bad news as, as a living person, you're kind of stuck asking yourself forever why you, why you were that way when you had the chance to be alive. Um, and, uh, you know, that's no fun. Nobody likes that. You might even be put in a situation where you have to see, if you were really bad, you might be in a situation where you have to see yourself being really bad to the people you care about, you know what I mean? Which is hell. When I think of hellacious things, it's your family, you know what I mean? It's bad things happening to the people you love. Um, but that's more my take on it, and you know, be good. Join that energy, Ray. Tell me a little bit about your opinion on the comedy, baby. Well, I would say the comedy is real, and and uh, and uh, when I can remember one time, and before I got into mediumship, um, I was with a group of people, and we were talking, and when I was very young. Pre ten years old, yeah. um, living in a small town uh, downstairs from us. Uh, my grandfather lived there, and he used to sit by the radio smoking a pipe. Mm. And I can—he only had one type of tobacco, and he always smoked that one type. I can remember uh, later on in life, uh, I probably put myself oh, probably in my forties. Yeah, yeah, in my forties, and I was with—I was with somebody. And it was kind of a stressful situation, but suddenly I started to feel better. And the people I was with, one of them said, you smell that? 
everybody's going, yeah, it smells kind of like a pipe. What is it? No one was smoking. I recognize that smell. Yeah. Grandpa was with me. He was helping me out then. He was calming me down. He was he was with me. And this was before I got, got into the mediumship. And it was very, very interesting. Another time where I was doing the mediumship and there was someone there. Um, we were simply talking about it. And this person wanted to learn more about it and this and that. And questioned about ancestors and they wished that they could really, you know, tell if someone was there. And suddenly yeah. they... Suddenly they, they were saying, um, where's that pipe smell coming from? I can't, I don't see anybody with a pipe. And I just kind of smiled. And I said, that's my grandfather. He dropped in to let you know that we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> but it, was, <clears throat> it opened the door for them. Also, when I used to teach the mediumship, um, I used to invite in, <clears throat> excuse me, my family members to help these people open up so that they could communicate with spirit and they could become more than uh, just walking puppets in life, responding to whatever was thrown at them. They could begin to open up. And I would often do a thing. I would not tell anybody uh, what was going on. And after we did some meditation, we talked about it for a while. I said, okay, now, now uh, we're going to do it. And they're like all excited. Oh, 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 you're going to read us? Because they always say read. I said, no. Yeah. <laughs> And I said, you are going to tell me who's with me. And I would tell them how not to think about it, to follow impulse, et cetera. There was a, a little thing I would go through. And then uh, the people would be there, and I'd say, stop being nervous. Go go with your first instinct. I said, "Who who's with me? And people would start saying, well, there's an older lady. Tell me about her. Well, she grew up on an island oh, around here. No, I think it was on the other side of the world, I think it was in Europe, and she was a teacher, and the person starts talking about this old lady that's here. Uh, my, my mother came from the island of Sardinia, and she was a teacher. And these are people that had never done it before that day. I had invited my friends and relatives in spirit to come and help these people break through to see that it was more than just this body. Um, there was another friend I had who... Um, he was not a family member, but he was a friend. He used to show up once in a while. And these people start talking about him and a motorcycle and stuff like that. And I said, oh, yeah, I know who that is. And I tell them who it was. And I confirm everything they, they said. So those kami, those spirits, they are with us, whether they're friends, whether they're ancestors. They are with us. They're there when we uh, need them to be able to help us. Just show, just show some respect and thank them when they help us. Yeah. But because here were people that before that day had never done anything. And at my request, these loved ones came through and without any help on my part, just saying who's with me, they were able to see, describe, and get information from so that they would begin their journey of opening up and becoming more than just their physical self. So that the kami or those in spirit, ancestors or just good spirits, will be there to help you. And they'll be there, there to help you when you need it. And it can be small things. I mean, there's some times where, let's say, you you know, you get up in the morning, you're in a rush and stuff like that. And you can't find your keys. And then suddenly you turn around and the keys are there. And you go, that, wait a minute, wait a minute. I I'm swore I left. I looked there. So you pick up your keys, you leave, you're about 10 minutes late, you find out that 10 minutes before, down the road, there was a major accident that if you were left on time, you would have been in the middle of. Yeah. 
don't discount that they didn't just hide those keys for a few minutes to delay you. I also, there was a, a lady I knew one time that was uh, rather interesting. She was, she was a big believer. She didn't have what you would call um, any abilities, not an empath or a medium or anything, but she really believed that her mother was, was with her, and she, she had kept the chair her mother used to uh, sit in. And uh, she, she kept that chair, and once in a while when she was stressed and stuff, she'd go in that room, and one time, more than once, she went to actually sit down in a chair, and she noticed that there was an impression on a chair. And she would, she would simply smile and say, thank you, Mom. There was a little sign saying, hey, I'm still with you. And it was just an impression, uh, uh, an impression and a cushion on the chair, which wasn't there before. So they're with us. And there's sometimes it's small ways, some we may not even recognize. And sometimes it's more like a slap up the side of the head where we see them or hear their voice or smell their favorite uh, perfume or, or the smell of a pipe. There are different signs they give us that they are there and they are with us. We just have to recognize it. And to recognize it, we have to realize that we are more than just these bodies. We are connected to them. That connection doesn't go away when they go in spirit. Because someday we will go in spirit and we'll all be reunited. But they're here. And they'll help us when they can, when we need it. They'll be there. That was downright beautiful, Ray. I can't even add to that. That's how good you are. I have been blessed be able to by being able to experience these things and i really do miss and i would like to again uh teach the meditation and the, and the mediumship again to be able to open it up so other people can experience it because once you have um i can remember one particular situation i was doing a gallery which i limited to 20 people and as i said way back when my rule was when I tell you something, I will say, do you understand? And just give me a yes or a no. And if someone started to talk, I would put my hand up and say, stop. Do you understand? Yes or no. And I would make it a point not to meet anybody or ask any questions ahead of time. And there was a couple there and I started describing a young man um, in spirit. And they started to get emotional. They wanted to say something, and I had to continually stop them. And I gave them this. I gave them the information. And afterwards, they came up and they thanked me, and they were tearful. It was their son, and he had committed suicide. Now I had given them the information, and I also given them the message from him as not to worry. He was sorry for the pain, but he was in a much better place now. And I never met these people before. And they went away feeling the comfort and the healing from having gotten that message. And when I would do something like that, I would go away from a gallery or a one-on-one or even a class knowing that, yeah, we do continue on. There's no way this can happen unless we continue on, unless we are loved, unless we are one with the spirit world. We are. And I am very blessed to have had these experiences and to be able to do this. I think you might have just said the most controversial thing that we've ever had on Mostly Ghostly, too. Which is that somebody that, all due respect, rest in peace, but someone that committed suicide got to a positive place. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, it's good to hear, of course, 
but it's quite a it's quite a thought. I mean, I've always growing up, I've always learned differently, and I'm not saying that you're that that you're not right. You know what I mean? You didn't even realize you were you were you were you were, you were getting so controversial when you said that, did you? Well, I'll get controversial again. Uh oh. <laughs> um, okay, the way we view things here is different than the spirit world. Yeah. You're talking you're talking about a unity, a love, a compassion, and once we're there and we realize it, we change. And things change. Now, um after oh, I'd say twenty, da 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 now it's sixty after forty something years, uh my parents got divorced. Mm-hmm. And uh my father remarried. And yes, after that period of time there was bad blood between them. For quite a while and I used to associate a lot with mediums and we would train together and practice together and sometimes oh did you see that new place that opened up that has all the crystals etc and stuff and we'd go visit there or whatever but we would do a lot of things together and one time I went to visit one and I walked in he goes whoa you got three people with you and I've been thinking about my family on the way over and I said uh and Later on, it took about, uh, after the divorce, it took probably about 10 years before I finally met my uh, father's new wife. But, because I went through a lot, anyway, myself. But this was way after that, probably another 20 years after that. Um, I walked in, and I said, uh, who are they? And he goes, and he described one, and he said, and I started smiling. He goes, oh, yeah. Because that's your mother. I said, who's the other one? He described it and he goes, oh, that's your father. But who's the other one? He described it. He described the person. And I was stunned. It was, and they were all smiling and all with me. It was my mother, my father, and his second wife. The anger, the hurt, everything that had happened, it doesn't live in spirit. It doesn't continue in spirit. We let it all go. They were all at peace with each other and together that day because I needed them. And it's a, it's a different world, the spirit world. And, uh, call it controversial for the suicide or whatever you want, but we change and we realize what is really important. And when we let go of this earth, then all is beautiful there. And we come together. Ray, you're killing it today with this. I, I, I'm at a loss for words. You're, you're, you don't even need me anymore. You know what I mean? No, come on. Yes, <laughs> this is definitely a Ray heavy episode, and I love it. Uh, I love that early cut. The, uh, for the, 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 the Shinto. I want to definitely do. We got to do some more Shinto talk. I think that's cool. Definitely down with that. You know what I mean? I think that's definitely some. Uh, I love to read the Shinto. I love to read the Shinto. The one, the one thing I, and I've mentioned it also in the past, um, as to what I'd like to do, uh, when you're reading something, and I'm going to do the same thing in investigating more about Shinto, is that, um, I tend to stay away from the academics, because they study something and then they give their opinion of what it is. I will tend to look for an, the oldest writing I can find, preferably written by a believer who understands it. To get what it really is about, not the ac- academic who's translating and interpreting it 
And that's, that's what I do when I, I do research. I go for the oldest writings I can, preferably by a believer who has the perspective of that believer who really believes in it and who isn't going to interpret, who is just going to lay it out. This was good stuff. This was good stuff. Do you want to say anything in, in closing? Um, the only thing I can say is you are more than your body. Your loved ones and those who have gone in the spirit ahead of you, they're still with you. When you talk to them, they hear you. When you ask for help, they will give it, even if you don't recognize how. Because you just know you are still loved. Love is a powerful thing. And I do think that love is, you know, love is that, that, that positive energy out there. It's all-encompassing. It's a beautiful thing. Folks, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Mostly Ghostly. We're going to be, uh, this weekend coming up, we're going to be hanging out with the Metro West Paranormal Team, Ray and all the cool folks over there. We're at Rutland Prison Camps, which uh, looks devastating, you know what I mean? We're going to be getting some footage from that. Uh, I know they'll be speculated for many, many moons, moons, that we uh, would be doing some video show stuff for the most ghostly. Um, and a little fairy told me that footage might be being shot this weekend for that. So if, uh, if that helps your fancy, prepare for some boombastic media on YouTube, mostly ghostly. Uh, beautifulness is coming down our pike. Also, we got coming up, we got a nice with Black Lotus uh, podcast. You know, we had Kimberly O'Connor on the show before. We're going to be going over onto her show with Damien and the rest of those cool folks over there. You know what I mean? Branching out. Uh, this will be our first ever interview as mostly ghostly, Ray. What do you think about that? I'm excited. It's cool. It's going to be a lot of fun, you know. We've both done interviews for, for, for the films, and, and uh, this will be interesting, the first ever podcasting one. It's fun. Looking forward to it. Hoping to do it a lot more, you know what I mean? And uh, so there's some upcoming events. Uh, also, Barrington, New Hampshire. Anybody out there in the Barrington, New Hampshire area? I believe September 18th, is it? I think, Ray? I could be wrong. I'll get back to you. all check dates. You check the old uh, the Facebook page. But uh, your boys from Mostly Ghostly are going to be at a horror, con- the Happenstance Horror Festival. Um, kissing babies, signing autographs, pushing some films. You know what I mean? Uh, Ray is promoting his upcoming directorial debut, GPS. Eileen Deeds from The Exorcist fame uh, is in it. That's fantastic. Footage looks great. Love it. Very creepy. I'm digging it a lot. Um, I got a short film getting ready to come out called Special Treatment, starring Ray Boone, of course, the man, the myth, the legend. We got Alexander Hawke in there as well as Christopher J. Long, the man, the myth, uh, the the missing link, uh, to go back to American Sasquatch stuff, our boy. Um, where we promote those films, will be getting promoted heavily. Uh, speculation, you might be able to get yourself some type of graphic. For all these films, you could hang on a wall, maybe. Uh, maybe get signed. You know, go get an Insomniac. Hard copy DVDs will be in the building. You can get myself. Ray Boom in. Sign them up, baby. It'll be nice. 
But uh, so we got some appearances coming uh, in all different types of platforms, which is fantastic. So again, we want to thank everybody for listening. You know what I mean? Your support, watching uh, soon, hopefully, and listening always to uh, is is a beautiful thing. You know, uh, as we grow grow forward, upward, upward to the skies. Uh, we thank y'all for listening. And if you like this episode, catch uh, another episode on the same place you're hearing this. And, uh, yeah, all those things that we just mentioned are coming. So be prepared. If you want to support, go to Patreon, Boombastic Streaming. Get all types of cool perks. And other than that, we got nothing else to say to you. You know what I mean? Kami, do a big Shinto. Nice. Check into it. Do yourself big old favor. Go deeper. As deep as those sea creatures. Just keep the sea creatures away from me. All right? Ray, you were fucking 100,000% fantastic today. Um, my computer melted. Ray was so hot. Just fucking smoking this <laughs> thing. It was, just like, it was like, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like you popped a water balloon. That's what happened to my computer. The heat was so fucking enormous. But we love all y'all out there. And we'll catch y'all. Get spiritual. Get spiritual. And we'll talk to y'all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly. Ghostly.